guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Don't forget to subscribe down there. Press subscribe so that you don't miss these hundreds of beautiful interviews that I had uh, the privilege of doing. I'm meeting fantastic people out there who, many of who have gone through the hell and back and kept going and are now transformed and are willing and able and humble to share their story so that we can learn more that maybe we don't need to to make maybe similar mistakes or if we are in the darkness that we can see that that others have been in that darkness too but have gone out the other side and how cool is that so that is an amazing amazing Privilege I've got, and today is no different because I've got John Katsavos with me. John is a fellow martial artist. He is a man who is nowadays going out there and is determined to make this world a better place. And when I figured that out, I knew I had to get him on my show. So, John, welcome to my show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Uh, man, you are you have been doing a long, long time martial arts. And how did you get into it? Was that something you did as a little boy? Or did you, how did you start? It's a funny story, actually. I was eight years old when I first started martial arts. And uh, the reason why I started was, uh, one, I've always loved Bruce Lee movies and Kung Fu <laughs> movies as a kid. <laughs> and um, two, I was a scrawny, skinny little kid. And uh, my dad was like, I got to put this kid into martial arts so he can learn how to defend himself in the real world because he's going to get beat up a lot. And um, I spent four years in Shodokan Karate. Mm -hmm. I reached a second degree brown belt. Then I got into a really interesting argument with my sensei, 12 year old, 12 year old little scrunt arguing with his sensei who, if you need to get your black belt in North America at that time, you went to him to get it. <laughs> okay so a bit rebellious we were <laughs> i yeah well I, yeah a little bit rebellious and an ego the size of probably russia <laughs> ah, okay i like that i like that um it's interesting so did you get bullied before your dad put you into martial arts no, but I was a very quiet kid mm. and I would, uh, stay, I was, uh, I had a very hard time, like even growing up, even uh, throughout high school, junior high, I had a very kind of low self-esteem of myself. And my dad thought that it might've been a good idea to put me into martial arts to mm. help my self-esteem, uh, get to where it was comfortable for me. Mm. Interesting. Um, and I'm so pleased for you that that happened first, uh, rather than than bullying, living, leading you into a dark place, out of which you try to crawl out with the help of martial arts, which really it was my story. Um, but Shotokan, and you were quite persistent, four years in order to get close to a black belt. Um, that is pretty good going. That is uh, focus, determination. So you saw something, uh, or maybe someone else saw something in you and really fostered you and, and, and pushed you and nourished you. What was it? 
I think it was a combination of the two. I thought, uh, I think like one, I fell in love with the art. Uh, I love the the katas. I love the practice. I love the structure that came with uh, Shorokan Karate. Um, I love the tournaments. I love testing myself against other people to see how good I was. Uh, and my sensei also saw potential in that because I think on my last tournament, I placed fourth internationally in my age group. In your age group, yeah. Yeah, in my age group, like in the 12, it was a 10 to 12 year old. So um, I was, I had promise. Wow. But the little argument that I had with my sensei uh, was basically, I was beating up black belts in tournaments. And I'm like, um, and I pointed it out to him. I'm like, I'm beating up black belts in tournaments. Why aren't you giving me my black belt? Hmm. Like, because you're not ready yet. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I'm not ready? I'm beating them up and uh, like, they don't even have a chance with me. It's like, you're not ready yet. And he was 1000% right. <laughs> I was not ready yet. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Because indeed, uh, once you're a black belt, that is, you're a leader. And you're, I often, I often thought that when I saw children having black belts, um in the sport uh which in, in in germany you saw that and in certain in certain martial arts where maybe the there's less leadership and less less spiritualism uh there where yeah you think oh my god oh my god um yeah it doesn't work so actually your sensei was right you were you were a cocky little little um <laughs> Right. Yes, I was. I was uh, a cocky little one. I guess. So how did it continue? Um, I actually stopped uh, when I was 12. Uh, it was my decision to stop. I was just getting into junior high school. Uh, and my dad told me, he goes, now you're getting, now you're going to get into a little bit of a transition in your life. He goes, mm. it's no public school anymore. People will find out that you know how to fight and they will challenge you. Mm. So don't fight. Oh. And uh, I took that to heart because it came from my dad. And, you know, my dad is who he is. He has his faults and he has his uh, strengths, but he is the guy, he's the man that I looked up to and still look up to. Um, but that's when the bullying started for me. Now, from a kid who was ranked fourth in international sparring, I had other kids starting to bully me and I let them because my introvertness came in, kicked in. And I'll never forget this. Uh, it was uh, grade seven and I was sitting down and for like two months, I had this uh, a kid that was sitting beside me, was taking tacks and sticking them in my leg. And he told me one day, he goes, today we're going to fight. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, I, I literally broke down. I, could, I couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. I, I broke down. And I know what a lot of people think, um, you, know, the, you know, they see the UFC fighters coming out all angry and think, we don't know what goes on in the dressing room. We don't know what goes on with the UFC fighter a week before the fight. If you see what that UFC fighter is going through, a week before, two hours before the fight, 
I think you can have a very different perception of what that UFC fighter really is. Oh, that's and beautifully I'm, said. That's beautifully said. Sorry, John, I had just had to say that. Bloody hell, I, it is so, so wonderful. Yes. I keep going. No keep. Uh, I was going to say, like, I, I, the first time I read it, because I, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, late 20s, and I, I read Into the Lion's Den from uh, Ken Shamrock. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, he goes, a lot of the UFC fighters that you see, they're going in if you see them in the dressing room to an hour before the fight they're either in the in the dressing room either throwing up crying or trying to figure out ways of, to get out of the fight exactly cuz they know they're going to go into that ring and they're going to get their crap beaten out of them mm. no human being in this world can sustain something like that psychologically mm. So the strength that these fighters have going into the ring is admirable to me. And that's why I broke down. I didn't get it when I was 13 years old. I was 13 years old. What, what am I supposed to know? I thought I was weak, you know? And um, yeah, and I, I, I went to the dojo the next day and i'm like i'm 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 out of i'm out of this i can't do this anymore it wasn't until i was in my early 20s where i went back into martial arts because mm. i realized how much i missed it how how important it was into my mm. life that's very intriguing uh did that fight with the bully actually happen no good because these kind of fights are lose-lose situations. Um, it might be a good thing for you to ascertain yourself and and uh, maybe teach the, the little shit a lesson. But the problem, of course, is if you win, uh, you um, you very quickly be seen as the person who is at fault. Um, if you hurt him, there are legal ramifications. Well, you were 13. You were lucky there. That would have probably not been so bad, but your dad wouldn't be, would have been in trouble. And so it is, it is really, really hard. Um, I was bullied. Would I have been, uh, how shall I say that? I was never put into the situation where I physically had to dominate another person who um who attacked me i was always able to de-escalate and, and work around it i was never in a situation where i needed to use the tools that i've got and take the guy apart and then face the consequences and for that i'm internally great eternally grateful uh, because it is very likely that that you end up in trouble that you end up in trouble with the law and that you might end up in jail and that is something that people don't forget. They watch 80s movies, 90s movies. Let's take revenge. Well, yeah, about that. Okay. <laughs> if you want to spend a few times as the bunk buddy of Brutus, your 200 kilogram hairy, stinky um, new, new partner. Yes, my friend. So, God, 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 God. So, how did that go, though? You were bullied, you were crying. 
And then you fast forward it and say, oh, yeah, okay, but then in the 20s, I, I felt martial arts again. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. That bullying didn't just stop. On the contrary, it was probably toxically continuing. How did you deal with no, that? The, the bullying stopped. He left me alone because I kind of put the blame on my grandmother. At the time, my grandmother was passing away from cancer. It was like oh. 1990. Yeah. So um, uh, there was a lot going on with me. Uh, dealing with that, dealing with my grandmother's cancer, dealing like seeing my grandmother sick, puking up because of the chemo and everything. And plus I had this, this little shite um, pushing my buttons all the time. Um, there was a lot going on. When, when I broke down, uh, it all stopped. He stopped. He just backed off because he knew I could fight. He's seen me fight before. Oh, okay. And he, good. he wanted, he wanted to see, uh, he wanted to test himself. And I'm like, I, I have nothing to prove to you. I have nothing to prove to anybody. But anyways, the, that stopped. Oh, high school happened. <laughs> high school happened. I didn't do any martial arts throughout high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I saw a movie of uh, this, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the actor's name. It was a Muay Thai movie. And I'm like, oh, like I remember, and I'm and I'm thinking back into my childhood. I'm like, I remember when I used to be able to do that. <laughs> so I signed up for Muay Thai. Lasted about six months, and uh, the the Muay Thai uh, the Muay Thai instructor goes, uh, he goes, you got you got a lot of talent. He goes, you're really good. Uh, maybe we should look at into getting you into tournaments. I'm like, ah, I'm not doing it for tournaments. I'm doing it for my own personal reasons i got nothing to prove to anybody so i don't want to go into tournaments it's like trust me because you're going to enjoy the tournaments because you get to go to thailand get to train in thailand i'm like it sounds intriguing sounds really intriguing but and he goes okay he goes let's get you started a little bit so he brings out the baseball bat i'm like nope i'm done (laughs) like i'm done nope six months i'm good thank you uh i learned a lot uh (laughs) bye-bye Okay, interesting. Why? Why that uh, is? What? What did he trigger? Uh, do you remember the movie Kickboxer when uh, Van Dam was kicking the 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 bamboo trees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what they wanted me to do. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Right. I like my shins exactly the ah, way they ah, are. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. I see. I see. Okay. And there is a point. There's a point. I need, indeed, around about that time, I watched a, um, a, a training session uh, on video by some uh, karate black belt, black, black belts in Okinawa. Um, and I thought, okay. Uh, Maybe not, <laughs> because it was exactly that, the conditioning. They went they, in the middle of winter, running bare feet uh, through the ice, um, then standing in front of, <laughs> it was actually beautifully filmed, I must admit. It was this these old steam locomotives, which were there, and you had the, the, the things that, that stopped the, the, the steam locomotive crashing into the next car. So these bumpers, there they were, hi-ha! <laughs> but really, really seriously going against a steam locomotive. Uh, I thought, okay, now that's some conditioning. That hurts me just watching it. Um, so, no, I know what you mean. Um, that's the next step up. Um, interesting. Interesting that you shied away from that. Um, 
also, in all fairness, Muay Thai, um, whilst I have never practiced it myself, um, is not really probably so renowned for its spirituality, um, for its its for its giving you the structure, for its giving you something like that. So you went actually into a, a very different sport, David, didn't you? Um, yeah, I did, but you're actually might be wrong on that because it is okay. very based off of spirituality, the the Buddhist uh, mentality. Yeah, um, it didn't. That's that's another big reason why I didn't stick with Shotokan Karate and uh, and uh, and Muay Thai is because I can't resonate with that kind of spirituality. I see, I see. I'm with you. And maybe in all fairness, those those kind of uh, gyms that that I was sort of seeing Muay Thai being done, maybe it was the instructors who didn't pay the the, the attention to the underlying spirituality of the original uh, martial arts. Fair call. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, interesting. So that was a no-no, but still, then you kept going. What, 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 what drove you? Why, why the martial arts? Um, martial arts is a very interesting topic for me because it embodies everything in life. It takes, um, it takes you as a person, it takes you as an individual, and it amplifies, it's supposed to amplify your abilities and help you improve on your disabilities. And we all have them. I don't care how able, quote unquote, able people think that they are. We all have disabilities, no matter what it is. The one martial art that resonated the most with me was Russian martial arts, Sistema. That to me had taken every single martial art art out there and has combined it into one. So you have groundwork, you have you have boxing, you have kickboxing, you have stand up uh, grappling, you have weapons, ancient and modern weapons, and it puts it all into one big ball. Mm-hmm. Now, while it while all that is fine and dandy and resonates with me, and I'm like, okay, this is a perfect round system, and you know what, you get five guys to attack you at the same time. Okay, this is how you do so you don't get like too beat up and not mm. go to the hospital that bad mm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. the spirituality part of sistema is based off of russian orthodoxy i'm greek orthodox oh i see i so see it's right in line with my with my spiritual belief system plus it encompasses all the different types of fighting and for me it was it's the perfect storm for me, for me, for everybody else. It could be something different, but for me, it's the perfect storm. I spent uh, about, oh, I spent well over 10 years studying it. I was, I was an instructor in Sistema um, and I had stopped and I'm trying to find a place here down in South Florida. And it's, uh, it's a little challenging. Especially right now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, wow. Interesting. I see where your search for meaning and the search for, for the, special, uh, the martial art that fits well with you um, come in. And maybe now you have opened my eyes why I tend to, to, uh, to head towards more highly functional and highly efficient systems 
um, target focus training and and Krav Maga, um, because I, I believe in that there is significant possibility for violence out there. And I also know that any fight longer than five seconds is a waste of time. So I want to be finished. I want to finish a fight within five seconds. And um, that is, so that is not an, an art. That is the skill set, how to hurt someone. And um, because I come from, from the violence, uh, I've experienced violence, uh, both in the form of bullying and in the form of a gang assault. And I know that uh, that will not happen again. And that's that's interesting. So different, very different, different driving forces that led us towards that, uh, towards towards our choices of martial arts. And it just shows, isn't it, how how different the world is, how different uh, martial arts systems can be, and how much help they can provide once you gel with one, and once you're actually, once you you really know, okay, I I'm at home. How, how stupid that sounds. Now, and it's amazing. But here we are. Um, you have worked out, you're still working out, you're going out there, you're, you're an instructor. At the same token, that does not make you bulletproof. And I loved it coming back what you said with the UFC fighters in the, in the rooms before the fight. It is, we are all human beings. And unfortunately, the darkness can come. And it can come in one in three, one in four of us. And with that, I mean depression. And I, when I say that, I mean uh, crippling anxiety that, that can hit you and, and paralyzes you. That happened with you too, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the first time that it happened to me, I wasn't I wasn't ready for it. And I didn't know what to expect from it. And um, who is ever ready? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you and I, we walked into that and, and you found we found ourselves there. What was your, yeah. your story? Um, back in 2001, uh, I had back, let's say, let's go back a little bit further. 2000, I had, uh, I was a shift supervisor working in downtown Toronto condo, making really good money. I uh, was supervising other guards, making sure that they didn't do anything too bad and covering their mistakes and this and that. Uh, 2001, December December 25th, 2001, Christmas Eve, two of my guards decided that they're going to go grab some coffees. And they went up to uh, a tenant's uh, suite to make three coffees, one for each of them and one for me. They come down with three cups of coffee. I'm like, where'd you guys get that coffee? They're like, oh, we went to this suite and we made it. I'm like, why did you go into a tenant suite? That's breaking and entering. You're not allowed to do that. Making a long story short, we fast forward about two weeks. I get fired because I didn't report them to my, to my supervisor. Um, and uh, I had a meeting with the CEO of the security company and they let me go too. They, pro they had promised to get me another site but they let me go. So I'm unemployed now. And for about three months, I was trying to find another job and I couldn't find another job. I just gave up. I gave up on myself. I gave up on life. I gave up on everything. I locked myself in my parents' basement, in my bedroom, parents' basement for a year. 
whenever I would wake up, I would look in the mirror and I would say some very bad words to myself. Every single morning. And um, at one point I just had enough. I can't live like this. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. Uh, I have no value. Uh, there's, there's no future for me. So I walked to the nearest bridge and I was timing the cars as they were coming over the underneath the bridge on the highway. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit a car before I hit the ground just to make sure that I'm done. And uh, something happened to me at that moment. I was getting ready to I had eyed a car that was coming and uh, something, some being behind me came to me and he asked me, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, I got nothing to live for. I got nothing to live for. So it kind of, kind of opened up my third eye, like, I don't know, third eye. And it literally just took me from where I was standing to my funeral, at my wake, to the time where my friends, quote unquote friends, were going to walk in. They walked in and I saw my entire family get up from the, from the first row and they charged my friends. And there was this huge scrap over my body, right in front of my body. And, I'm, and it asked me, is this what you want to be remembered for? I'm like, no. So it grabbed me from there and it brought me to the guy's, uh, guy's house whose car that I landed on. And that guy was com in complete shambles. I completely, utterly and destroyed his life. And it asked me, your actions did this to him. Is this what you want to be remembered for? I'm like, no. Now, I'm the type of guy where if harm comes to me, I can take it. I'm fine. I'm good. No problem. I will deal with it. But if I hurt somebody else, I have a big problem with that. I don't want my actions to negatively affect somebody else. So it brought me back to the bridge. And it told me, um, you have two options. You can either have what I showed you happen or you can walk off the bridge because you have a very important lifeline for you to follow. I'm like, come on, man, come on. I'm in like in the worst part of my life. I'm like, what possible, how possibly good could this, what possible good could possibly come from this? He's like, it's your choice. He goes, but you see what your actions are going to happen if you do this. So because I didn't want to hurt anybody other than myself, I walked off the bridge and I'd be lying to say that it happened overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over a course of probably 12, 10 to 12 years where I actually started to really get out of the depression. Uh, anybody who tells you, yeah, I just woke up the next morning and pop, I was ready to go. No, it was a slow, <laughs> it was a slow thing for me to get over very slow thing. But I did little things in order to get out of that, that mindset. And 
the weirdest things. Like my parents would leave for work. I would take a blanket and I would put it over, over the mirror so I don't see myself. And I would go out for half an hour just to walk around the neighborhood, come back, eat some dinner, open the computer, look for something for work. And one week passed by, three weeks passed by, a month passed by, I found a job. I started going to work every day. I saved enough money. I went to a gym and then I left that job and I went to another job. I started my, I found Sistema and the rest is history. The rest is history. After Sistema, everything started to just fall into place. My spiritual, the strength of the spiritual belief that I have in, in what I believe uh, is I mean, I can't even question some of the stuff that's happened to me in the system. It's just been insane, absolutely insane. But what I'm trying to do now is just show guys that are in that space, you know what? It's an option that you have, yeah, but there are other options that you can look at, one that can extend your life and be happy with the fam- with your family. So that's, that was my story. It is. It's very intriguing story. Um, did you did you have a GP? Did you have a a family physician that you confided in? Nope. Did your parents drag you to any kind of counseling, any kind of psychologist, or was that really where you brought up more in a in a world where men don't cry and where you where you maybe put onto yourself i'm a survivor i i am the man i can't seek help it was none of that um i didn't see my gp uh, i didn't seek any uh psychological from a psychiatrist help huh. uh my my parents um i found out later my mom was very scared for me And she didn't, um, she didn't say anything to me. She gave me my space. She's she's like, he will figure it out by himself. He's good at that. He's good at that. He will, he won't do anything too stupid. That's going to, and, and because my mom and my sister and my dad, they are my world. And those are the three last people in this world that I want to one disappoint and two hurt. Those are the last people. And now my nephews are in the, in, in the, in the things in, mm-hmm. in the picture. So yeah. those two boys, I don't want to hurt at all, <laughs> but um, yeah, I had no, no help. I did it all by myself. It was all trial and error. Um, I don't suggest people doing it because it is a very long journey. Um, I'm used to see, I'm used to hearing, Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, you're not going to get there. Oh, you're not smart enough. I'm used to that. So it's for me, it's like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it anyways. No, no, that's true. That's true. Now, for me, I think from from a doctor's point of view, I've got the, the, the advantage of knowing that some of those feelings that you describe, some of the darkness that you describe, can in fact have some very good reasons. 
for example, some people develop problems with their thyroid gland. And if that is underactive, well, you feel down and out. And there are many hormonal issues that can affect women um, where suddenly you can deal with actually an underlying reason vitamin deficiencies, nutritional deficiencies, all those kind of things that maybe a doctor who is more holistically inclined can pick that up and look at that in the first, first instance. So there are certain blood tests that I would run a battery of tests on you to check out that there is not something really stupid there. And then mm-hmm. um, I, would, I would maybe give you simple helps, a brief intervention, uh, a brief honest talk to, to say, hey, look, you know, this is, this is sort of, you know, a lot of people go through that, so you're not alone. And it, these are waves of emotions that wash over you and they will likely go away and you might not see it now, but hey. Because so these are the kind of things that, that I would say now, having been in the darkness myself, um, I would say, okay, rule out the shit, rule out the bad stuff. And if it's then still there, then it is your choice. But I, will, and I want to show you that there is light out there in the darkness. So that's that's the, my take as a doctor and maybe what I recommend anyone out there who is listening to do, seek help. Because when you're in the darkness, you have no clue that you are in the darkness. You just know it's all, there's no more hope, there's no more help, and there's, there's your failure and all those 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 weird core beliefs that come out to play and when you let them got five minutes later you you you're you're finished with this world and that is awful awful whilst and there's the saying in in recovery when it comes to to addiction every day you either working on your recovery or you're working on your relapse and i think maybe the same is very true with mental health and with depression what yeah, were this? Sorry. No, 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 no. What were the stories? What were the the, the lessons that you learned the hard way? What were the, the things that really, with hindsight, helped you most to get initially out of the darkness? A little bit of movement every day outdoors mm. will um, amplify your mindset. Um, in Toronto, things uh, Toronto is a very gray place to live, especially between December and March. It's very gray. The sun doesn't come out. It's always cloudy. But even just going out and just taking a short little walk, half an hour, 10 minutes, mm. we'll, ha- we'll, we'll play a mat, we'll have a magnitude effect on mm. your, your mindset. Um, mm. Another thing, that's the first thing that person can do is just get moving, just get moving, get outside, enjoy the fresh air. If you can get it. Um, And you'll start to see other things start to fall into place. Like you start making better decisions on what you're going to put into your mouth. You're going to make, start making better decisions. What goes into your ears. You're going to make better decisions in what you're going through your eyes. And these, these, these little steps will end up with you completely changing your life without even knowing it. But it's just taking one step at a time, one thing at a time. Get comfortable with it and then say, okay, you know what? Uh, I, I, I'm starting to walk an hour a day outside. All right, how can I clean up my diet? Mm. 
okay, uh, how long do I want to watch the news? How long do I, how long do I want to listen to uh, alternative music? Should I listen to alternative music or should I listen to a podcast like this to help me? Uh -huh. Exactly. And it's really, really, really good. You're so right. You're so right. Um, I have to pluck, do a quick pluck in here. Uh, my steps to sobriety. Um, and the reason I say that is exactly what you're describing is in there. It's exactly that. Half of it is sort of describing the 12 steps um, and giving them a, a, maybe a secular and common sense language and meaning how it works. But then thereafter, it is all about the, the challenges that you're facing. And it's micro habits that you put in place that completely change your life, that you make a point of hydrating yourself. So this morning, you know, it was before anything started, I had um, 500 mils of fluid. And it is so normal. You just have 500 mils in the morning, 500 mils in the evening. That's a liter of the three liters that you're supposed to drink. There you go, bang. Um, one tiny little habit, but it starts me off in the right way. Um, the tiny little habit of showing up, of actually making a point of consistently showing up, even if you don't want to, especially when you don't want to. That's when you show up. And uh, I've done my best interviews when I hated to be on in the seat here. Uh, I, I don't want to do this interview. <laughs> okay. And that is just showing up is 80% of winning. Okay. And that is so important. And Absolutely. guess what? Isn't it? And isn't it beautiful? So you've done that. I've showed up this morning here at 6.20. This morning was maybe one of these mornings where I was oh, tired. Oh, I had a shit long week here. It's Friday now and recording this early. Oh, and I'm having a ball of a time with you, John. Um, you're, you're holding the mirror in front of my face. And I, I had already some, some thoughts that went, ah, how cool is that? Just show that's up, awesome. guys. That's right. So that's what we want to do. That's what, what why John and I are here. We, we want to tell you guys, hey, it, it doesn't take rocket science to, to turn your life around. It's a decision. It's a recognition first. You need to recognize that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And once you're in that place, once you're so un uncomfortable, then congratulations, you're exactly on the right place because now you're ready to make a change. The question is what to do. And, and yes, of course, you can try to hide yourself in the next 12 hours with Candy Crush and Netflix and whatever, whatever you wish. Or maybe, just maybe, you might do something different. And you already have. You guys have because you, you're listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube video. Congratulations. You are in that group. You are in that that 5%, the, the, the rest 95% are still sitting doing the pity party over there. You guys have said, no, stuff that. Let's listen to this here. Why are these two dudes getting their act together? What can I listen from? So, John, you did simple steps that helped you get out there. Um, was Mr. or Mrs. Wright coming along in that story somewhere? Or... Um, 
how did your relationships pan out? Because ultimately, yeah, we are not going alone through this life. You you describe your beautiful relationship and the protective uh, feelings that you've got towards your family. Um, what about your relationships? That's an interesting story. It's another it's another aspect of my life that actually um, shifted my perspective my, my perspective and made me a little bit more mindful of the people that I allow inside my life. <laughs> Ooh, wisely um, spoken. <laughs> um, and it's also it's also pushed me towards meditation and stuff like and all that mindfulness mm. uh, stuff. It's 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 it, amazing even though i was in doing meditating when i was like eight to eight till early 20s um it was more like okay i'm gonna close my eyes and try not to sleep <laughs> but now it's more like visualization uh -huh. stuff and everything um 10 years ago it's been, yeah 10 years ago i met the woman that i thought i was going to marry and um, she was everything to me. She was perfect uh, in every single way, at, at least I thought at the time. And um, I, had, I had just opened up Feel Fitness for the second time. And that Christmas, I was ready to celebrate because I broke the five-figure mark for the first time in my life. <laughs> and I was so happy. And I told her about it. And I told her, we are going to have a great Christmas and a great New Year's. So um, we went up to Blue Mountain, which is uh, just a little bit. It's about two and a half hours north of Toronto. Uh -huh. And we had an interesting time there. We had a very interesting time. Uh, at up until that time, we I was starting to get hints that she might not be the one. She might not be right for me. She always wanted to spend time together, which I was cool with. Uh, she always wanted me to hang out with her friends. When I, she came over to my house to talk to my parents, uh, she was always disrespectful to my parents, disrespectful mm -hmm. to me. Uh, when I was over at her house, I was always respectful to her. Always, I put her parents above her. And it was, we were, we were watching, I'll never forget this. We were watching Pirates of the Caribbean at the uh, bed and breakfast that we were staying. And uh, she passed out. And I just, I literally looked at her and I was like, ew, what am I doing with you? Passed out because of alcohol. That was not because of alcohol. That was not because of alcohol. Okay. I was not intoxicated. I may have what, one or two drinks. No, no, not you. Not you, her. Her, I was Oh, no, 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 no. She was asleep. She was asleep. And I, I, I looked at her. I'm like, what am I doing? You're horrible. Right down to your core, you're horrible. I don't, something inside me told me that. I'm like, why did I even think about that? I I'm saving money to buy her a ring because I was going to propose to her the next year. Huh. I didn't tell her anything about it. When we got back, it was always money problems, money problems, money problems. She wanted to move in together. I was okay with that. She wanted to go on two vacations that year and she wanted a ring. I was like, <laughs> like pick one. <laughs> Pick one, not four, pick one. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. 
So uh, February came around Valentine's Day. Um, we didn't do what couples do on Valentine's Day. I gave her a little charm, came from my heart, and she just looked at it. She's like, that's it. I'm like, hmm. no, that's it. Well, yeah, that's it, darling. That's it. That's it. That's it. That was the last time she saw me. That's my pun. Nine, oh, almost God. nine months. Nine months. I was saving. I had gone to uh, uh, the, the, the jeweler to go get the ring that she wanted. I was going in debt to get her the ring that she wanted. Uh, and I was going to surprise her with it. But when she, when I when I came out with that charm and she gave me that, that's it. That's all I'm getting for Valentine's Day. I'm like, yeah, that's it. No more. <laughs> okay. I mean, that is, I'm so pleased for you that that uh, something interfered early enough um, before you before things got too far. Um, but I mean, how did that impact your mood? When it is terrible, exactly terrible. That was that was horrible because I not only lost her. Uh, two weeks later, I lost my business. Is that related? No, no, good. no. I wasn't pulling in new clients, and that was really hard for me because I know if new if no new people are coming through the door, I can't keep the doors open. Mm. I can only keep my clients for a certain period of time. After that, they'll be like, okay. now be, And I'm like, okay, time for you to go find someone else. Mm -hmm. Get a different perspective. So, uh, yeah, two weeks later, I lost my business. So I went from working the uh, my dream job of opening up and having my own studio and helping people physically because I was a full-time personal trainer back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had lost the woman that I thought I was going to start the, my family with. I went from uh, working, working that job to making five figures a month to mm -hmm. working nights as a security guard, just so I could make ends meet. Get luckily making $2,000 a month. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mm. Wow. It, so that was very hard. I betcha. Very hard. What did you do about it? What because I mean, again, you, you you did it probably alone. You did it. You you for, for, for two years. I shut myself off, and uh, I was sitting at my desk at the security desk, and I was thinking to myself, something's got to change. I got to change something. I opened up my bank account. I'm like. I have enough money to go to Cuba for five days and still have money in my savings account. I found a five day weekend that I have. I'm like booked off to Cuba. I went and, and I almost got attacked by two barracudas. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> still. And, um, Okay, so how did they taste? How did they taste afterwards? I want to know. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't do anything. I did they literally swam on both sides of me. I'm like, what are those two silver things coming at me? Excellent. Like, 
I'm like, okay, too skinny to be sharks. Thank God. Mm-hmm. What else is it? Barracudas. Oh my God. I'd rather, I'd rather be in a shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I came back from my trip. Uh, my mind was clear. Beautiful. Uh, clear. And I was like, I'm good at IT. I like computers. I put myself back into school. I spent about six months in school yeah. uh, in the mornings and working nights as a security guard. So it was rough six months. And at the end of it, I landed a job at a hospital work doing IT support. I had that job for about five years. And um, during the pandemic, I'm like, I heard the increase of men suffering from mental health, addiction, um, suicides, Mm. loneliness. I'm like, I know how to fix that. I know how to fix that because I fix it for myself. And it's not as hard as people think. Mm. Well, so here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And now you have become a life coach. Now you have, you're using, you're using uh, a number of tools to actually help others out there and create a a tribe of of brothers um, who has gained a better insight into themselves just as much as you, you uh, by by accident held a mirror in front of my face today um you your story resonates and nowadays you know how to turbocharge uh someone else's recovery uh so it's not psychoanalysis for 10 years before you actually find ah that's why i'm like that but you can actually say well hang on yes 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 we can play 10 years or Maybe, just maybe, um, you, uh, we work through a series of steps and we see if we can't get you to realize what you need to do and to make you resolute about your own steps to a better life. And that's a very, very powerful and beautiful thing. Wow, John. And is martial arts still playing a role in that? Um, I'm trying to fit it back into my life. Uh, what <clears> about <throat> the life of your of your clients? Um, there are aspects to Sistema that I try and implement into mm. into my training. Like, uh, for example, uh, when you're out for a walk, uh, don't put these, don't put these. Keep the music off. I, Absolutely. I, I I tell them I need you to focus, mm. focus on the steps and connect your breathing with your steps because mm. in Sistema we have this this practice practice that we teach through everything whenever a person is stressed what's the first thing that goes you're breathing absolutely yeah exactly you stop breathing when you're mm. stressed so when you focus on just your breathing then the movement will come into play and then the solution mm. will come into play so when you're out for a walk, if you don't mind, I don't mind me sharing this, this little tip. Please. Um, if you're out for a walk, I want you to count your steps and count your breaths. So with your first two steps, you inhale with one step, inhale through your nose, <clears throat> exhale through your mouth. The second set, you take two steps, one inhale, two steps through your nose, two steps, one exhale. And you slowly want to increase that to as, as 
right to the point where you feel fear. That's going to be different for everybody. And the more you do it, you're going to be doing 15 steps in, 15 steps out. But the second you start to feel that fear, come back to one in, one out. And then with the next series, try to extend that one step further. That way, you don't have to worry about breathing. We, uh, sorry, excuse me. You don't have to worry about you know mm-hmm. negative music. You don't have to worry about uh, letting this start to wander it all over the place in crazy directions, mm-hmm. because we're focusing right now on our breathing. Cool. We have a very physical tasks that we need to focus. Just do that simple thing, and um, on your next walk mm-hmm. or on your next run or whatever, and you'll see you'll see how it will change you. Now, breathing is so important, isn't it? It is so, it helps me every single day. It helps me with with uh, a flood of anxiety. It helps me for so many reasons. It is, uh, it is, guys, just, just start playing with it. There's so many good, good coaches out there, good things out there. I've had some, some fantastic brief work uh, people here on the show. Bottom line is, there is there's so much you can do and it, you don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars um, on some magic wonder healer or wonder potion it's unlikely to help you but you can spend maybe 10 minutes a day to practice a new skill or a skill that you have just acquired and and begin to master it and if you do that every day can you imagine that within half a year your life is very very different because you have gained that skill and mastered it. And what was to happen if you now maybe, maybe it takes six months for you to really learn how to meditate, maybe learn how to properly breathe, etc. Now, if you if you say, well, you know what, every month I learn a new skill, and try to keep it mastering until I've done it. So you're overlapping. Can you imagine that in six months' time, you have now got six new skills that help you deal with life, maybe in a better way? How cool is that? The problem is you need you need someone to encourage you. You need someone to guide you with these kind of things. And that's what we often forget. That's why our New Year's resolutions, oh, yeah, I'm going to live healthy. And then we go all out, 100% of everything, 120%. And then typically by the 14th of January, uh, you know, what, 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 what was that all about? Uh, forget it. So guys, you know, I mean, John, if, if people sort of gel with you and people sort of say, actually, this dude, I like, I like him, I like his attitude, um, how can they find you? How can they work with you? Um, right now, um, I have my Linktree uh, address, which is uh, link tr.ee forward slash resilient reboot productions you have all my links there i'm Fantastic. everywhere <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm i'm trying to make sure sorry no 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 no. i'm saying i'm pointing here for the video uh, guys i'm pointing down go down there to the uh, to the show notes because um all the links to john uh, are down there so you can simply click on them and uh get uh, straight to the source uh, because ultimately, you have got the privilege to live right now at this moment, and that privilege to live 
comes also with the privilege of having choices. You make choices and you choose if you want to move towards the light or want to stay in the darkness. This is your choice. No one can take the choice away from you, which is nice. Um, there are maybe a lot of things that look rather dark, but equally, if you start um, putting the negative things uh, to the side and maybe focus on, is there actually something positive? And you start moving towards the light. It's the most beautiful journey. And I certainly, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's not an easy journey. No two ways around that. No, no one says uh, exploring yourself and, and doing a deep inventory of you um, is easy, but it tells you a lot and it shows you that maybe there are certain traits and certain behaviors that maybe not so clever and maybe not so helpful for you in the long run. And there may be other things that you can maybe maybe focus on and improve and increase and, and whatever. And suddenly health, wealth, all those things are changing towards the better. And you actually think, wow, have I done that? And how cool is that? So guys, go out there and find a mentor, find a tribe of people who can help you and who help you to become the new you, who you want to be. It's okay if you don't know who you want to be. That is, it, that is part of the journey as well. But you might as well start with something, with someone who has been there. And John has been there. He has dealt with his own darkness. He has reinvented himself again and again and again. And that is a, a, a true skill that is powerful to have. So here's a man you can ask well how do you deal with that how what do you do how you know so guys go out there look down there into into the show the notes and but the one thing that i don't want you to do is give up because now you have got a life to live and it will offer you so much if you just know how to ask and that's why we're here for okay john you're an amazing man thank you so much for being a guest on my show um if there was one message you could send back to the 12-year-old you, what message would you send back? Get ready for a ride, son. <laughs> Get ready for a ride. That's right. Never boring. Just stay <laughs> strong. Believe in yourself. Um, take the naysayers and use it as fuel to propel you to something that's going to be great. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. John Katsavos. Uh, you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. Bye. <laughs>